0: book 1 chapter 9 of bradford's history of the plymouth settlement 1608 to 1650 this librivox recording is in the public domain bradford's history of the plymouth settlement 1608 to 1650 by william bradford rendered into modern english by harold paget book 1 chapter 9 these troubles being over and all being together in the one ship they put to sea again on september sixth with a prosperous wind which continued for several days and was some encouragement to them though as usual many were afflicted with sea-sickness i must not omit to mention here a special example of god's providence there was an insolent and very profane young man, one of the sailors, which made him the more overbearing, who was always harassing the poor people in their sickness and cursing them daily with grievous execrations, and did not hesitate to tell them that he hoped to help throw half of them overboard before they came to their journey's end. If he were gently reproved by any one, he would curse and swear most bitterly. But it pleased God, before they came half-seas over, to smite the young man with a grievous disease, of which he died in a desperate manner, and so was himself the first to be thrown overboard. Thus his curses fell upon his own head, which astonished all his mates, for they saw it was the just hand of God upon him. After they had enjoyed fair winds and weather for some time, they encountered cross-winds and many fierce storms by which the ship was much shaken and her upper works made very leaky one of the main beams amidships was bent and cracked which made them afraid that she might not be able to complete the voyage so some of the chief of the voyagers seeing that the sailors doubted the efficiency of the ship entered into serious consultation with the captain and officers to weigh the danger betimes and rather to return than to cast themselves into desperate and inevitable peril indeed there was great difference of opinion amongst the crew themselves they wished to do whatever could be done for the sake of their wages being now half way over on the other hand they were loath to risk their lives too desperately but at length all options the captains and others included agreed that the ship was sound under the water-line and as for the buckling of the main beam there was a great iron screw the passengers brought out of holland by which the beam could be raised into its place and the carpenter affirmed that with a post put under it set firm in the lower deck and otherwise fastened he could make it hold as for the decks and upper works they said they would caulk them as well as they could and though with the working of the ship they would not long keep stanch yet there would otherwise be no great danger if they did not overpress her with sail so they committed themselves to the will of god and resolved to proceed in several of these storms the wind was so strong and the seas so high that they could not carry a knot of sail but were forced to hull for many days once as they thus lay at hull in a terrible storm a strong young man called john howland coming on deck was thrown into the sea but it pleased god that he caught hold of the topsail halyards which hung overboard and ran out at length but he kept his hold though he was several fathoms under water till he was hauled up by the rope and then with a boat-hook helped into the ship and saved and though he was somewhat ill from it he lived many years and became a profitable member both of the church and commonwealth in all the voyage only one of the passengers died, and that was William Button, a youth servant to Samuel Fuller, when they were nearing the coast. But to be brief, after long beating at sea, on November 11th they fell in with a part of the land called Cape Cod, at which they were not a little joyful. After some deliberation among themselves and with the captain, they tacked about and resolved to stand for the southward the wind and weather being fair, to find some place near Hudson's River for their habitation. But after they had kept that course about half a day, they met with dangerous shoals and roaring breakers, and as they conceived themselves in great danger, the wind falling, they resolved to bear up again for the cape, and thought themselves happy to get out of danger before night overtook them, as by God's providence they did. Next day they got into the bay where they rode in safety. A word or two, by the way, of this cape. It was first thus named by Captain Gosnold and his people in 1602, because they caught much of that fish there, and afterwards was called Cape James by Captain Smith, but it retains the former name among seamen. The point where they first met with those dangerous shoals they called Point Care, or Tucker's Terror, but the French and Dutch to this day call it Malabar having found a good haven and being brought safely in sight of land they fell upon their knees and blessed the god of heaven who had brought them over the vast and furious ocean and delivered them from all the perils and miseries of it again to set their feet upon the firm and stable earth their proper element and no marvel that they were thus joyful when the wise seneca was so affected with sailing a few miles on the coast of his own italy that he affirmed he had rather taken twenty years to make his way by land than to go by sea to any place in however short a time so tedious and dreadful it was to him but here i cannot but make a pause and stand half amazed at this poor people's present condition and so i think will the reader too when he considers it well Having thus passed the vast ocean, and that sea of troubles before while they were making their preparations, they now had no friends to welcome them, nor inns to entertain and refresh their weather-beaten bodies nor houses, much less towns, to repair to. It is recorded in Scripture, Acts 28, as a mercy to the apostle and his shipwrecked crew, that the barbarians showed them no small kindness in refreshing them, but these savage barbarians when they met with them as will appear were readier to fill their sides full of arrows than otherwise as for the season it was winter and those who have experienced the winters of the country know them to be sharp and severe and subject to fierce storms when it is dangerous to travel to known places much more to search an unknown coast besides what could they see but a desolate wilderness full of wild beasts and wild men and what multitude there might be of them they knew not neither could they as it were go up to the top of pisgah to view from this wilderness a more goodly country to feed their hopes for which way soever they turned their eyes save upward to the heavens they could gain little solace from any outward objects summer being done all things turned upon them a weather-beaten face and the whole country full of woods and thickets presented a wild and savage view if they looked behind them there was the mighty ocean which they had passed and was now a gulf separating them from all civilized parts of the world if it be said that they had their ship to turn to it is true but what did they hear daily from the captain and crew that they should quickly look out for a place with their shallop where they would be not far off, for the season was such that the captain would not approach nearer to the shore till a harbor had been discovered which he could enter safely, and that the food was being consumed apace, but he must and would keep sufficient for the return voyage. It was even muttered by some of the crew that if they did not find a place in time, they would turn them and their goods ashore and leave them. Let it be remembered, too, what small hope of further assistance from England they had left behind them to support their courage in this sad condition and the trials they were under, for how the case stood between the settlers and the merchants at their departure has already been described. It is true, indeed, that the affection and love of their brethren at Leiden towards them was cordial and unbroken, but they had little power to help them or themselves." what then could now sustain them but the spirit of god and his grace ought not the children of their fathers rightly to say our fathers were englishmen who came over the great ocean and were ready to perish in this wilderness but they cried unto the lord and he heard their voice and looked on their adversity let them therefore praise the lord because he is good and his mercies endure for ever yea let them that have been redeemed of the lord show how he hath delivered them from the hand of the oppressor when they wandered forth into the desert wilderness, out of the way, and found no city to dwell in, both hungry and thirsty, their soul was overwhelmed in them. Let them confess before the Lord his loving kindness, and his wonderful works before the sons of men. End of Book 1, Chapter 9